Okay, so we're kind of cutting you guys into the middle of a conversation we've been having here tonight. Uh, I took a spreadsheet and broke down every team's salary for this year. And I wanted to look at wins by cost, right? Yeah, so, cost per win. Yeah. If you haven't heard, you're obviously living in a hole. Dave Dombrowski got fired Sunday night from the Red Sox. And it, it was kind of coming. I think you and I both knew the talk was there and he was starting to fill it too. But the funny thing is firing him before the end of the season after a brutal loss to the Yankees, a night before they'd reached their elimination number for the title contention. And so I went ahead and added every team's payrolls together for the year and then divided them out by the number of games they played and then multiplied them back by how many they've played to date. And then I divided that by how many wins to see who pretty much paid the least amount on a per win basis. What were you were trying of, to find? That's, that's my real question. Is what, what, what were you trying to find from this exercise? I'm just getting a lot of back and forth on people's opinions of were the Red Sox right or not to fire Dombrowski? You know? For, I, I guess for me, I wasn't aware of the financial situation of the Red Sox before we know we dug into this. So why? I guess it might be worthwhile to explain what Dombrowski did. Does that make sense? Yeah. To get fired. So building Dombrowski's MO, he comes into clubs, buys huge absurd contracts with players on long-year terms at high dollar values, selling top prospects to do so. His goal is to build a club to win a championship and or go the distance. He took the 97 Marlins with an all-star club and one of the highest payrolls in baseball at the time to a championship that year, which is Pretty odd. They didn't even win the pennant that year. And so they made it in on a wild card. And he brought in some big names. A couple of them that stood out to me. Al Leiter, who had a 1.93 ERA that season. Or, sorry, 2.93. And Kevin Brown, who had a 1.89 ERA that season. You know, solid pitching. And then Bobby Bonilla, who wasn't the worst deal Worse to make a deal with Bobby Bonilla. That would that would later be the Mets. Is it weird that I kind of put Bobby Bonilla and Bartolo Colon kind of in the same light? How's like that? they're worth more to pop culture than they are to actual baseball. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like like Bobby Bonilla Day. It's the day that he gets paid one point some amount of million dollars by the Mets for the next twenty years. And Bartolo Colon, which is as cool as he is, is was just fun to watch more than like fun to watch for who he is as a player rather than the production on the field. Does that make sense? Like they're just kind of yeah. lumped together in my mind. How do you incorporate just not to get sidetracked, but Bartolo Colon was a part of the big early 2000 steroid busts. You're shedding some light in an area that I didn't know I want light shined. He well, did what? This is back when it's a little early watch screwball documentary on all that it kind of goes into a lot of those things but that'll be a little more informative i'm i'm not gonna get us off topic i'm actually we do that so sad right now like I, l- we plan out you stuff know what, to say we talk we we script not script but we we talk about this is a genuine surprise and yeah. i'm dying on the oh. inside our well, lord I'm, savior i'm sorry to destroy your night 
But okay. I'll, I'll say this. That was, I mean, McGuire and Sosa did it when there was no ban, right? It's kind of hard. I don't know how to, con- that, that would be something interesting to talk about. Because I'm never sure how to contextualize people who did things in the early days of that in the MLB. Before late 90s, early 2000s, okay. before it was banned. It was banned in the NFL at the time. It was mm-hmm. banned in the NBA, I believe. Um, I don't think really a lot of leagues truly started banning and going after that until Armstrong, though. It's crazy. I sorry, I don't. I mean, just don't mean to sidetrack this, but kind of. It's amazing how much farther they've gone to push uh, anti-doping. Like the Twins, uh, Michael Pineda just got suspended for sixty games this week for his cousin gave him like a weight loss supplement to like keep his weight under control. Yeah, like a diuretic, and it contained mm-hmm. a diuretic that was banned by the MLB and he got a reduced sentence because usually PEDs are 80 games no matter what but because they determined that it wasn't like he wasn't using it to like mask other PEDs they only gave him 60 games but that's crazy like they've cracked down so hard on performance enhancing drugs well one thing that's worth noting is that all happened under the previous commissioner but the person who was in charge of all the investigations Manfred and so I, I wouldn't doubt that the commissioner who was kind of in charge of that cleanup under Selig's command, that would kind of be a big focus for him. Yeah, so at the time the Marlins won, kind of coming back, they were the fourth highest payroll in MLB. And the owner at the time couldn't stand the amount the team was costing him. He wanted to see if a competitive team would attract South Floridians and he could get a return. The next year, he stripped the team. Literally sold every contract on the team he could, except for three. Two of them went within the next season, mid-season. And one of them was stuck because of injury and on such a fat contract that they just couldn't get rid of it because Dombrowski put such a fat contract on it. And really, he wasn't getting the return he wanted at the end of the day. He was being a little bit petty about his return. And Dombrowski said so himself. After that season, he, they did not feel like defending champions. He said they didn't feel any point in that season like the defending champions. So he eventually got sick of that, and him and the manager both left. And he ended up with the Tigers, who had not had a World Series since 2000, or 1980, 1984. around that range. And he built them to a team that went to the World Series in 2012. And I think an, another time as well, they made it pretty far into the playoffs. Uh, 2006 was the year before that. What was the last time they went before that? Right, and he joined them somewhere between 99 and 2001 because it was before the Marlins won their next World Series. Okay. And he left in 2015 at the end of the season with a team that had a huge payroll, which still this day is fatter than it deserves for its wins, and no bullpen and no farm system. His three staples. If you look at Boston right now, they have three of the top batters in MLB through most of the season. They've dealt with a little bit of injury and a little bit of backline. You know, Brock Holt just stepped into some of the top batting. If you look right now, he's ranked, what do we see him at, 15th? Since June 1st, he's fifth in the entire league in batting average. Um, Not a high production hitter, but he gets on base. And then you've got Mookie Betts, who's doing great, not the same season as last year. Xander Bogertz, J.D. Martinez, and Rafael Devers. 
they're losing their game in the bullpen, and they only have three starting pitchers. He makes a trade midseason for Andrew Kashner, who was by all means not... What the hell? I'm just going to break down there. I, I can't see why anybody in a sane mind who has the brilliance of Dave Dombrowski to build teams to be so good could then backtrack and pick up somebody like him. And then they picked up another odd one recently, which is uh, Julius Chissin. I hope I'm saying that right from the Brewers who was released for having a pretty off season. He did great against the Yankees Friday night. Pitched those first two innings, and then he pitched a relief inning a few games ago. But just, just odd moves this year. Mm. They still have some of the same guys, but they just their bullpen has gone to nothing. They spent so much money and so many prospects on Chris Sell, ex- extended his contract, and there's no way of knowing he was going to be injured. But, I mean, when you push a guy that hard because you don't have a very good bullpen and you don't have a full rotation because Porcello can't keep it together and he's on a deal that's longer than it should have been and Price can't stay healthy, you end up injuring somebody who's a huge asset and a big liability on the team's budget. No, I, I, I agree with you. It's, it kind of speaks to kind of, obviously like his firing speaks to a larger view of what the Red Sox are wanting to do and how, they're, how they want to go about and run their baseball team. But it was interesting as you've looked through this idea, um, the idea of does spending equal winning? Right? It's a hard, it's a hard balance to strike, isn't it? Oh yeah, because and baseball is different than a lot of other major sports um, because there's no salary cap. If you're a big market, you can spend as much as you want, and they have what's called a competitive balance tax which means if you spend over it, then you get a certain amount of money goes back to the teams that are beneath it um, to try to make teams be like, hey, try not to spend that much money, um, but they can spend as much as they want. And so usually you get, it's kind of like an age-old story of big market versus small market teams. Um, kind of, I guess it's funny that two of the most successful teams at being successful in their respective spheres are in the same division in Tampa Bay and New York, right? New York is the team that has tons of money, right? They, they just do. They have super, they print money. They print money and they have 27 rings. Like they've won a lot of championships now. And that's not necessarily because they just spend and spend and spend this year has been almost the exact opposite that they've had a deep farm system and have called up guys that have product have had a really nice level of production but tampa is the exact opposite they have the lowest payroll in all of baseball and are currently holding a wild card spot so it feels weird like do you spend a lot is it worth that is it worth it to spend all this money is it worth it to do these things and i think if you look at because we're kind of me and me and caden are a little bit torn because he has this these teams ranked from cost per win essentially how much money you spent for each win that you did and if you sort them by cost per win, these there isn't really a, a it's a it's a mixed bag. Yeah, yeah. Because there's nothing that's like, hey, like this oh yeah, if you spend this much money, then you're gonna be successful. If you look at the polar opposites, the best team on cost per win 
has been Tampa Bay. And they've spent 664000 per win this year. And they've got 86 wins to this point. Right? I mean, you could easily find a decent home at that same price in Tampa. On the polar opposite end, at number 30, who spent the most per win, is the Red Sox, who have spent 2694000 per win. Right? And it's not surprising to see which teams end up on which side of the ladder. You know, Oakland comes just behind Tampa at number two. And then Minnesota, who I think is really showing that you can do it with a good coaching staff, a good staff of players, and not a lot of money, sits at number four. However, I, I think that, I mean, when we look at just the payroll in itself, instead of doing it just by cost per win, a lot of the people who are in playoff contention are kind of high on that line. You know, Yankees are third in payroll for the year, but they're 23rd worst in cost per win. So then the question that I that I get, and I kind of want to circle back because I had a thought when you're talking about Dombrowski, it kind of feels like he's like a teenager with his parents' credit cards. Oh, absolutely. The Red Sox are one of only two teams in the luxury tax, and they're in the second luxury tax this year. They yeah. almost hit the third which is why a lot of people kind of wonder is why they went for Kashner because the Royal, the Orioles are playing a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a cheap deal, but it's just interesting that like, that's just kind of what it feels like, right? He goes and he spends and he spends and he spends and then he's like, Oh, we have no more money. And yeah, you got a bunch of cool stuff, but it's not going to last. And then he gets kicked out and he goes somewhere else and he's like, well, you got these guys really cool stuff. Can you buy us really good stuff? You know, it's cause oh, it's absolutely. Not, I don't know if it's like, I don't know if what he's done has been, successful you can't see me but i put air quotes around successful because he has won championships but on like a the idea of winning sustaining winning um this your most cost effective teams in a cost per win basis aren't really like the big group are just kind of mediocre so is it better for a team to be efficient and cheap and win more games for less money or is it worth it to spend more on wins and win and win championships? And I guess it kind of goes back to like, what are you expecting as a fan? What do you want to be as a fan? And that's the hard thing to say, because let's say you're Oakland right now. You mentioned it earlier, you know, Oakland has had great seasons consistently for the last several seasons. You know, last year they unfortunately lost in the wild card to the Yankees. I believe they had a pretty good contention the year before. Year to year, Oakland is pretty good. Since 2000, they've been, they haven't had a terrible season since 2000 that I can remember. Yeah. You know, there may sure. be one or two hiding in there, but they're not, they just don't end up with a championship at the end of the day. The last game of the season never goes in their favor. You know, yeah. how, how long does that rhetoric hold? You know, Boston with Dombrowski had three titles and a championship. I it's, mean, I it, could, yeah. It's hard to say, but to backtrack to Detroit, Detroit's 28th in cost per win, which isn't hard when you've only won 42 times to date. I I, I kind of messed Caden up. I resorted it because I thought it's interesting because they've won so few games that cost per win number is a little bit inflated because they're actually in the bottom half of payroll of the league. Right. But that, that does say to something that even however much you're paying, either you need to be paying more to get wins or you're paying too much for what you have on the field. 
Yeah, and that's kind of interesting too. I I was thinking about that side of this cost per win metric that you yeah you've created. Um, is it is cost per win technically an evaluation of talent on your team, or an evaluation of value on your team? ESPN came out with an article recently where they talked about um, each player that's uh, adding value to their team, right? Like yeah, who's adding the most win shares? per dollar mm-hmm. and they came up with a bunch of different players right for the for the red sox um i think chris sale was up there and it's because he's injured he's out he didn't have a super good season even though he struck out a ton of guys but he's getting paid a ton of money and you look at guys like cody bellinger who are still on rookie contracts ronald Acuna jr right so they're adding all this value but you have all these guys that are adding wins to your team and so if it's cheap but they're adding wins, then your cost per game is going to go down, right? But you look at Detroit, who's has all these big contracts that you're overpaying. They're like it's like reverse value. I don't know what a negative value. I don't right, know right. another right word for it, but yeah, I, I get that too. And some of it, some of these teams are doing all right because a lot of your contracts are rookies who are really hot. So you're going to save a lot of money, but those rookies are not going to be cheap in a few years. You know, the Red Sox have to face the fact that in a few years, Michael Chavis and Raphael Devers are going to be very expensive players. Very expensive. So the idea is interesting because you look at in baseball, you get paid for what you've done, not for what you're going to do. Right. Because of how arbitration works. 70, 30. Yeah. Yeah. It's be- and it's, it's because of how the pay scale, pay structure is set up. You have all these years to play in the minors. You have all these things where you're not making a ton of money and you hit your peak before you get your second big contract, right? I was listening to Colin Cowherd recently and they were talking about how um, people worrying about over uh, the Braves recently signed Ronald Cunha Jr. and Ozzie Albies to long-term extensions before their current contracts were up, which is a new thing for baseball. Not many people do that. And if they continue to progress, if they continue to make strides into um, being as being good quality baseball players, then those contracts are going to be a steal in the end of the day, right? But you're taking risk. The problem, or kind of the, the issue with, with baseball, I think, is people aren't willing to take as much risk as as managers and as GMs, right? And that's what you see in free agency. You see that in trade deadlines. This, this risk aversion of being afraid to like take chances on players because you want to see what they can do before you pay them. You know what? If, if I think of one kind of little dumb anagram, anecdote, anecdote that would describe, yeah, anecdote that would describe Dave Dombrowski is risk it to get the biscuit. The guy lives by that. He is one of the few risky GMs there is. You know? He's both old school and new school in many ways. He likes a lot of data. He likes a lot of stats. He leaves a lot of the day-to-day and lineup to the manager. He, he, he does genuinely believe that if you feel like you have to oversee the manager's decisions, you probably don't have the right manager on the field. He made great calls in hiring Cora. I think Cora's a great manager. If I were to ask you, though, I, it was posed to me by you know a close friend the other day that Dombrowski wasn't really the one at fault here and that Cora should shoulder more of the blame. 
Is that a sentiment that you would share? The manager can only do so much. I think before the Mets went on this tear that they went on recently, Mickey Calloway was the guy that was on the hot seat and everyone was talking about how, oh, like, can you really blame him? Like, look at the product that they put on the field, right? Look at mm-hmm. the, he, you can only do so much with the team that was created by the GM. You see it, I think you see it in football a lot more just because the turnover rate of coaches is so much bigger um, and really the turnover rate in general. But the coach can only do so much. Now, agreed, and it's hard because like it's the same team. The Red Sox, if we're looking at them in a vacuum, they're essentially the same team sub minus some bullpen pieces and minus... And that's um, where they lose it, is the bullpen. So would you say... As someone that's, I mean, you watch more AL games than I have, that the reason that these team is blowing games is because of poor bullpen management or just poor bullpen performance? Because I think those two things can play a bigger factor. Because if it's if it's poor management, then sure, Cora should take some of the blame. But if it's just poor performances, he can only put in players that are on his roster. You know what I'm saying? You've got a little bit of injury. I mean, you're really looking at... Your starting rotation right now, you've got Erod, who by all means is having an amazing season out of nowhere. And you would almost hope... spot in Boston's rotation right now. Right. And if, if Erod could have relied on everyone else from the rotation from last year, Porcello exempted, you could have said that this would have been the best season they've ever seen. They could have won more games than last year if that rotation had been on spot. Why? Because if the rotation would have been all together, you wouldn't have had to go to your crappy bullpen as often. That being said, when your bullpen's so bad and you try and push your starters longer into games, like I said earlier, you have guys like Chris Sell and David Price who just can't go the full season. And, and that being said, Chris Sell's never been a September player. He generally seems to kind of break down towards the end of the season. You know, you lose Craig Kimbrell in the offseason, who you put a lot into trading for, but you still almost got him on a robbery from the Padres. And... They also lost Joe Kelly, who may not have always been the best in the bullpen. He was really hot and really cold, but he had a lot of leadership in the bullpen and he was a lot of influence there, which I think has really broken down in the bullpen. And so now you have a starting rotation with only three guys, Porcello, who's one of them, who even himself knows he's not having the season he wants. And you're going to the bullpen constantly. And some games you have to play almost entirely from the bullpen. when your bullpen's blowing the games, who cares what you put on the field? Because Alex Cora has developed some of the best batters in the game. Rafael Devers was a lot to do with the people he was around. He was great in the minors, but he's been a great player this season. And you've got, you know, Mookie putting up production, JD putting up production, Brock Holt bringing his average back up. Xander Bogertz is probably having one of the best shortstop seasons he's had, but they just can't rely on the pitching to hold the runs. You rarely see the, the Red Sox get shut out. I know that they did tonight, <laughs> but you just don't see them shutting anybody out. For sure. And I think it's, it's harder to shut people out in baseball now regardless, just because of the rabbit ball that's just jumping off bats. And I understand the frustration. So it comes back to, as a fan, are you happy with, a championship and then a down season or would you rather have five winning cost effective seasons because that's really what it comes down to because okay so this is my thing with baseball 
is that it is extremely competitive and the people that are on the field are wanting to win. It is an entertainment business and its sole purpose is to make you, the viewer, the fan, have an enjoyable experience watching it. That's the only reason they make any money, right? That's economics. That's, that's the only, you, you get paid for what you produce. And if you're not putting a quality, quality product on the field or putting a quality product together, then you won't or can't get the money you want, right? You'll be, you'll be unprofitable. So as a fan, do you want five winning cost-effective seasons or do you want a championship? That's an interesting thing. If I were a Red Sox fan and I looked at it from a simple perspective, right? Not with an analytical mind. Yeah, I, I think it would be something to be happy about. Even just since the 2000s, you broke the curse of Babe. You've won more world championships than anybody in the 2000s. You're one of only five teams to repeat since 1996. It's been a good run. They've had four championships for four GMs. They have a lot of turnover in the market. But what would be frustrating as a Red Sox fan right now is if you really dig deeper looking at what's been left behind from Dombrowski going into the future. Because I'm, I'm thinking right now, like as I look at it, the Red Sox, when they hired Dombrowski, had fired a guy who brought them a world championship, but left them with, what was it, zero division wins? Let's see. So you had Sherrington, who also did four seasons like Dombrowski. They both had a uh, championship. Dombrowski had four winning seasons, where Sherrington only had one. Dombrowski had a 588 winning percentage, where Sherrington only had 486. Sherrington had one first place finish, where Dombrowski had three. And Sherrington had three last place finishes, where Dombrowski had none. However, a lot of that early team that Dombrowski came in with was what was left behind from Charrington because he didn't get rid of the entire farm system, mm. right? If you look at what's going to happen, Mookie Betts has refused, not just his avoiding, has refused to sign a contract before the end of his contract is currently up. So when he goes into free agency, he's waiting off on it. And he has been quoted in the last day saying, you know, Dave Dombrowski getting fired is, is a business decision. I understand that because it's a business. It doesn't change how I'll approach my re-signing. Because again, this is a business and it's a business decision. So what that says about where Mookie's going is odd. And you also have to remember that him and a few other players have arbitration coming up. And that could mean another $25 million in expense towards Mookie. They do finally give up what they're paying out right now to Pablo Sandoval, who they've been paying, was it like an eight-figure salary to for several years? Yeah. Oh, eight figures? Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. You've got Chris Sell, who is injured at the moment, and they're trying to decide whether or not Tommy John's going to come, but they just signed him to a contract extension. Xander is a highlight because he is contract extended at a high amount. But he's out there for a while. It's, it's just Brock Holt at the end of the year is going free agent. J.D. Martinez could opt out of his next three years and could arbitrate. Um, Mitch Moreland, Steve Pierce, they're all going free agent. You've got an expensive team and you don't have a lot of money to move around to rebuild and to build a bullpen. 
they're projected to be the most expensive team in 2021 and 2022 and 2023. And next year, the only teams that will be more expensive than them, as currently signed, are the Yankees and the Phillies, because the Phillies are paying Bryce Harper an absurd amount. Yeah. No, I, I, I understand the, the frustration that would come from being a Red Sox fan. But as someone that's not a Red Sox fan, um, it seems very first world problem-esque. Oh, all of, all of baseball is. No, 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 no. I'm talking about in relation to other baseball teams. That's fair. Right? Right. You look at, you look at teams. There are teams that have never won a World Series. There are teams that, have, that are perennial cellar dwellers, right, that just want a winning season, <laughs> just want to be slightly competitive, just want to go to the, to the wild card, right? So when we talk about product on the field, when we talk about what teams are putting out, I think it's important to note that success is relative to each team. Does that make sense? For sure. Mm-hmm. So like for for the White Sox, right, who have the uh, sixth, fifth to lowest payroll in all of baseball right now and are showing it by their level of competency um, in winning baseball games. They have something to look forward to based on, hey, look, we have an all-star pitcher, you know, Giolito, that just came out and is in the Cy Young talk. Obviously, he's a little bit behind Cole and Verlander, but the idea that each team has something that is important to them at the right moment right now. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So even though, like, yeah, like, you're going to be really expensive, yeah, you're all this kind of stuff, um, Boston and New York, LA, they've created these cultures of if you don't win a World Series every year, then the season was a failure, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not a sentiment that's held across all of sports. I did a little bit of a uh, social study where I put out a, a survey for people to take. And success, from what I heard back, and it was only like 25 replies or something like that, but success for a sports team is win more than you lose and do better than last year. And for a team that's coming off a championship, it's hard to do better than last year, right? That's just really what it comes down to. So I think that when it comes to the economics of baseball, there might need to be, well, I don't know. What Do you think a salary cap should be put in place? No, I don't. I know that several people do because, you know, you see it with football that has a sort of a salary cap there. A hard salary and, cap. Right, It's the right. only sport with a hard salary cap. Right. And it does create a little more shift year to year. Yet you still have significantly more shift year to year. Right. But it doesn't solve the problem entirely. You still have the Buck the Tampa Bay. You still have the you know, your Detroit. And the Browns who seem to have all of it together. Got lost a game yesterday. Got mobbed. It's one game. Let's not say what the season's at, right? But there's teams there's teams that have higher payrolls and do little. So bad. All right. It's this is a baseball you know, podcast. I apologize. <laughs> no, but I mean, the Patriots are looking great this year and they pay a lot of money for it. Um, they, don't, they don't No, it could, That's the thing is that they don't pay a lot of money for it. 
They, right, right. They, they pay exactly as everyone else is paying. Every single team in the NFL hits a hard salary cap line. So yeah, yeah but so then, but then it, it's almost like it takes away the asterisks of records, right? Like in baseball, a little bit. If you're coming from a small market team, you look at these championships that these big market teams have won, and you're like, well, yeah, they can just pay for players, right? If you were to remove, or if you were to instigate like a hard salary cap. Now, there's no way, there's absolutely no way that the that the players' union, the players' association, would ever let that happen. Like, it's just not. I don't think it's possible to let that happen because baseball's gone so far this long. How do you explain that to Mike direction. Trout? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, I'm sorry, buddy, but but I think I think it would be good for the sport. I think that it would increase parity across both leagues. I think that it would make people be more frugal and handing out these huge contracts. And the thing with baseball too is that all their contracts are 100% guaranteed. No other sport does that. Like that's just a baseball thing. Yeah. But with a hard salary cap, I wonder if that would change. Uh, Where the guaranteed money? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. When you I only mean, have so much money every year to use, can you guarantee players money anymore? Yeah, I think so. I think the NFL right now is currently shifting towards um, guaranteeing Guaranteed more pay. money to players, yeah. but they can be voided. Like it was funny. Like I don't know if you haven't also been anywhere near an electronic device, then and you've heard the Antonio Brown drama. But <laughs> because he got in a fight with his GM, he got all of his guaranteed money voided. So even though it's guaranteed, it's not really guaranteed. You know what I'm saying? Unlike Bobby Bonilla's guaranteed paycheck every single year. Oh, it's so so here, here's my concern with that. And this, this is really the least statistical thing I'll say on the show because it's oh, hard to measure. I'm so ready for this. Okay. But could you lose a lot of the potential talent that could be coming into baseball by putting a limit on it? Let's say you're, if you're going to go into a major league sport, generally speaking, you could probably be a pretty good multi-sport athlete. Right. People who have the capability, the mental discipline and the endurance to make it into major league levels could be a good athlete in something they put their mind to for the most part. It's been said of Michael Jordan by his manager and his his minor league team that if he wouldn't have quit for baseball or basketball, he could have been a professional player at the higher level. You know, and it's just that discipline. If you are looking at playing a professional sport and the money of baseball is no longer attractive. Would you rather play a game that's 16 games or, a, you know, play for a sport that's a 16 game season or a sport that's a 162 game season plus a potential postseason run? So I think that's where I maybe haven't. I'm not saying I'm not saying lower the salary cap to where football's at. You can set the salary cap ridiculously high. You could set it where right. the luxury tax, you could set it at 206 right now. Right. Right. And that doesn't mean that players are going to reach that. Like, that's not mean that teams are going to reach that. Also, no. I, I don't actually know what the salary cap is in the NFL, but the amount of players that are on shorter-term deals is huge compared to the major leagues, right? Like, just because of the, the frailty of NFL players 
and it's not necessarily their frail, but just the the stress put on them as players, that it'd have to be fundamentally different. But players coming into the coming into the big leagues, like the minor leagues, the international pool money, like that's all it's a little bit different. It's a little skewed and I get that. But I've heard people wanting to shift away from that idea entirely to stop, you know, to make it a draft, to draft an international draft. Um and how that could make the current realities of some players in foreign countries getting exploited because they're getting drafted essentially when they're 12 years old. Yeah. You know, and it's huge. And so there is this level of like, well, what do you do? How do you make this better? Cause you want, you want to take care of the players. I get that. But at the same time, if you're not putting out a competitive turnover like if you're not putting over if you're not putting out a league that like more teams are competitive year after year after year then you're gonna start your team is going to become you're not your team your league is going to become is gonna uh atrophy what's it called atrophy because they're atrophy it's gonna experience atrophy I can't remember. Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna shrink. It's not it's gonna weaken essentially. Because fan bases that if you grew up watching your team lose all the time, and I think this is more as more than anything to do with society nowadays than anything else, but you have like this level of if your team's not winning, you don't want to watch, right? Especially if there's other sports going on. Right? Like if you're like, I hate to watch I hate to watch my team lose all the time, and if your team's not competitive for the last two months of the year then you're going to go watch football, right? Because right. who wants to watch their team get smacked around? Seattle, I'm looking at you. You've it's literally, true. right? What, it's, they've scored 36 runs in two games the Astros have against them, and one of them, they got shut out. Like, that sucks for Mariners fans. Well, winning doesn't always mean viewership either. Tampa Bay can't seem to fill a stadium when they're having an amazing season. You know, that's, that's kind of one of the hard things about sports nowadays is some of them are on the decline, even football. Basketball is one of the few that's actually on the incline right now, which is an interesting thing. But, but that aside, football has an interesting thing, though, because you have your salary cap. Your salary cap's at $4 million, but it's only for the first 20 roster spots that count for that, right? Mm-hmm. So teams could potentially in that, I don't know how it all breaks down, but there might be room there where, you know, if you've got a little more money than that, you can afford some level of depth beyond your 20 spots to hold guys back from, to be ready in case of injuries and other sorts of no, stuff. Yeah, for sure. You have to be on a 53-man roster is how the NFL works. So uh, the 53-man roster gets, you start at like 90-something at camp, and then you cut it down to 53 before the season starts. And then if you put people on injured reserve, then they get taken off and you can add another person. But, but football is an interesting thing because most of these people come from three years of college to get in or a certain age. Right. And the average football player only lasts what three years. Yeah. It might be less than that. It's so So short. Your salary is limited because the team can only afford so much of a salary before it hits a cap. And then you only play for so many years and you take a huge physical toll playing the game. So though it has benefited teams, it can detriment players in a big part. Baseball is hard to get to the top, though. You don't come out of college and go into baseball. You play years in the minors for a lot of guys. And you make 
no money in the minors. You know, it's not no money, but it's pretty low. I mean, you make less than a lot of full time workers. You less a lot of minor league. The majority of minor league players make less than the median income. I didn't know that. Right. So you go through those years to get up there. You finally make it. A lot of them are living, though, just just to kind of side note that, because there's going to be some people who are going to disagree with me if I don't mention this. If you're really good, you get a signing bonus and that's what you live off. Yeah. You better be smart with your money because you blow that all in one go. You're going to be eating ramen noodles your whole time through the minors. Yeah. That being said, it takes all these years, but you get to play for several years in the majors. And if you're good, you have an unlimited salary potential. You know, look at Mike Trout. He's making a lot of money. But even some of your lower paid people, they're not hurting very bad. If you make it to the major league level, you get paid a pretty fair amount. And a lot of guys make it for a good number of years. So the players benefit a lot more not having that salary. Agreed. And I I guess I just don't know how much difference it would make with the idea of, I don't know if a salary cap, the salary cap's not going to hurt small market teams. It only hurts big market teams for the most part, right? Because they're limiting what you can spend. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and what the other part about this too is that baseball is so big that like this is a, is a multi-billion dollar industry. That when we talk about $208 million, like that's a drop in the bucket. Right? right. So you talk about teams like, oh, we can't afford it. Oh, we got to be cost effective. We got to do all these things. Like you guys make so much money. The players make so much money. It's hard to be like, as, as a fan, right? Who's, who works a nine to five. It's hard to be like, feel bad for these guys being like, oh, well, you're not making all this money, right? There's like a disconnect now. Did you know that when baseball first started, Back in like 1904, when the first league before, or even before that. Modern era. Yeah, before that. Mm. Right, when baseball clubs were first getting started. And they were starting to take over the culture of America. The original baseball club league, like the original one, was designed and it was in their charter that no baseball player would ever get paid to play baseball. It was an amateur sport. Because that was what cricket was for. Cricket was the one you got paid for. Cricket was the high and snob one. Baseball was for the people. That was the thing that if you wanted to play, you could play. It's it's interesting to see the shift. And it, it's hard because it shifted so long ago. But it feels a little bit like, what are you complaining about? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Kind of coming back to teams. You know, and win bases. Part of what, what I'm looking at with Oakland and Tampa Bay, though, is I get the idea of spending more money and winning, though. You know, up at the top of the list on payroll, just kind of reading off highest payrolls, you've got New York at third, fourth Dodgers, sixth Houston, seventh Washington, eight St. Louis, right? You've got, that's four of your division leaders and a wild card contender. Oh, second is the Cubs, who are a wild card contender. Mm-hmm. So yeah, paying more does work. What I'm worried about with some of these teams, and I, I think that a lot of people get confused on the money ball issue, that the idea is that if you spend less, you can still win. But I think 
what a lot of people lose is it's not about spending less. It's about evening the paycheck across the field. I think a lot of these teams who are paying high but aren't winning, like the Giants and the Angels and the Rockies, have a few really inflated contracts, which is where their salary is boosted from. Let's take the Angels, for example. Yeah, the Phillies, that's a, it's a really good example, right? They're ranked uh, pretty high in this list. Um, look at the Angels, for example. You have the highest paid person in baseball on your team. You're not making the playoffs. You're not even, you're having a middle of the road season. I am really happy for Mike Trout getting that deal. I don't think it was a good move for the Angels. And I know that's interesting to say because he's one of the only players to have a 10-war season, season to season. But one person cannot carry a team into the playoffs. You can't take one person's tons of talent, pour all your money into it, and expect that to make up for holes around the rest of the team. You need pitching. You need a decent bullpen. You need to have outfielders who can make generally plays but bat really well. And you need, you need good batting. I saw an interesting um, comment on Facebook. There was um, a team I root for. Uh, their GM holds a chat with Facebook viewers where you could go in and listen, ask them questions. And I was reading some of the comments and they talked about how these, there was a lot of old people on the comments, which is great. But um, they had mentioned just, you know, over the time of them watching how the current management has gotten rid of some of the the franchise players, you know, guys that have are really high on the leaderboarding games played as this a member of this team and how they were contributing the reason they were contributing the reason that attendance has been down to the fact that this team has no loyalty by getting rid of its star players. And the quote literally was you can see or the problem is is you're making this more about the team and less about individual players. And so you're losing attendance because you're giving up these guys that we really like. And when I read that, it seemed so backwards to me. Like this fan is literally complaining about, you are doing too much to help the team. Give me my one player so I can wear his jersey, so I can root for him, and then I will go to your stadium. Like it, it blows my mind, the thought process behind some fans. But at the same time, like you see, is that what's important? Right? Is it is it rooting for a player? Is it rooting for a team? Maybe I'm weird. I I'm I am a fan of the team through and through. And I want them to be successful. I want them to sustain success. Which means you can't keep huge contracts on the books for very long. Right? You just can't. It doesn't work. It's if you if you pigeonhole all your money into a couple positions, you're gonna have holes elsewhere that you can't fill. So but is that what makes a fan happy? Is having star players that are paid a bunch of money? Right? Are Phillies fans happier because they have Bryce Harper now? Phillies fans are not a good place to measure things from. <laughs> Philadelphia fans. You could hit three home sports. runs and strike out, which has happened, and then get booed. It's just, it's just the way that town is. I'll put this out for you. 2002 is the year that the A's set the record for the most wins in a, uh, consecutive wins, right? All through that season, they've been playing Carlos Peña at first base at the insistence of manager Art Howe. 
even though the idea behind all the trades they'd made and and getting rid of a lot of the fat on the roster was to have everybody in the field leading an on-base percentage at a certain amount. And they wanted Hatterberg on the field. And so they finally sold Carlos Pena, who was looking to become an MVP and a Hall of Famer, an all-star player. But they got rid of him because they wanted to play it the way they saw it, and they had to trim some of that fat off the field. I wonder if the Angels made the wrong decision with Mike Trout. I think that they could use a lot more to build a well-rounded team and let Mike go to a big market team who he'd be a little more in good company at that, that amount. I would hate to see that because I like Mike Trout staying there, but I don't think that Mike Trout's contract wins them championships. I disagree with you on a lot of levels on that with what you just said, mostly because if you have the best player to ever play the game, you pay him whatever it costs because there is no salary cap, right? If there's a salary cap, I'm with you 100%. But like, like I said, these are billion-dollar industries. If the Angels are not paying enough to put out quality product, it's not about the budget. It's about their scouting department. Really what it comes down to, right? And like when you're starting guys, don't get me wrong, David Fletcher's awesome, but like there's other players, right? You need to be building a farm system. You need impact players coming up. The way to win with that contract is by getting impact players on good deals, which happens by drafting well, which happens by scouting well, means making good trades. Like there's these other parts of the business that I don't think that maybe we're taking into account that like in football. The way to have win championships is to have a solid line, a quality rookie, cheap quarterback, and spend money on skill players. That's how you win championships, right? Like, that's just what it is. Brady takes pay cuts. He gets paid less than people think he should. He has, he has a lot of freaking championships. I don't know what the actual record is. I think he has like six rings. He should he get pretty much holds all but one of the Patriots rings. Yeah, for real, though. But so he, but he takes less money to let the team fill out, right? But it's because there's a hard salary cap. If you don't have a hard salary cap, you should spend as much money until you, right? Spend the money. There's a certain point on that, though, because you've got a lot of things going beyond that. I mean, these are billion-dollar industries, but they also have million-dollar to billion-dollar expenses. I mean, I'm with you. I'm with you. You also have owners who, if you invest that much money into a ball club, you want it to be profitable. People at that money... They don't want a 1% return. They want their 5 to 20% returns on their, their investment. And that's the hard part. I, I think that where we go from here, I, I, just, I think that we need to look at the difference between the pay of each player on the teams and kind of how that breaks down. And just, I think, I think that's something we could dive into and talk about more in the postseason. I'm a fan. It would be interesting mm-hmm. to take a look at... Um, the teams that make it into the playoffs. Yeah, once we have all the data. Deconstruct their rosters and see what's the recipe for success. And almost do like a backtrack and see which, where teams gone have went wrong in building their rosters. Yeah, I agree. Do you think the Astros sweep the A's this week? I, I think that these, even if the Astros win tomorrow, the two losses they've already sustained 
have been more than demoralizing enough than getting swept, honestly. Like, oh, with the A's, yeah, oh. just absolutely wrecked. But as Houston playing, who's Houston playing besides the A's this week? Yeah, it's a four game series, so they're gonna play them through Thursday. Mm-hmm. We're on wild card watch, though. Cubs are scuffling, although they get a really nice schedule against the Padres next couple games. Um, Washington has not been good lately. I think they lost three in a row when I last checked it. And um, Arizona's hot, hotter than hell, but have dropped two in a row. One to Jacob DeGrom tonight, which was a little bit rough, but it's fine. Um, yeah, they just slipped behind Milwaukee. Milwaukee's on a little bit of a heat. They've won the last four, and they're seven and three. Yeah, they beat up on the Cubs. Who are they playing right now? Oh, wait, no, I saw that. Are they playing the Cardinals right now? They might be, which is kind of hard because that puts you up to or down to in your own division. Yeah, that's rough, man. That's this. It's going to come down to the wire, I guarantee it. But, yeah. Still sticking with your predictions from last, from last week? Anything change? Um, I didn't put Tampa in the playoffs. I don't mm-hmm. think, if I remember right, I think I had the Astro or the A's and the Cleveland Indians. Yep. Did I put them in? But I, I know Oakland's going in. I don't know who the other wild card is, but I don't think it matters who the other wild card is. Do you think even you think Oakland's going to be in even after this drubbing they just got? Yeah, I think they will. You're facing the Astros. You're facing the 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 2019 World Champions. It's gonna happen. 2017 World Champions. No, oh, you're. <laughs> I didn't misspeak. <laughs> that was that was slick. That was slick, Kip. I'm a fan. That's awesome. <laughs> I I'm 100 percent in. If anybody wants to put some money against me, I'll give you I'll give you good odds. Um, <laughs> Astros play the Royals at the end of the week. So if, if they're bludgeoning the A's, they're about to smoke the Royals. Then they play the Rangers, then the Angels, then the Mariners, and then the Angels. Let's just put it this way. The Astros will likely now have home field advantage in the World Series and through their games in the postseason. Ladies and gentlemen, you're 2019 World Series champions with three of the best starting pitching pitchers in one of the best rotations seen to date. Your Houston Astros. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Oh, 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 oh.